0: Welcome
1: to Per Contra with Tijuana and Squints. Hey everyone, welcome back to Per Contra with Tijuana and Squints. I'm Tijuana, and today we're going to be talking about movies in the same way that we talked about video games in the past couple of episodes. We've really liked this format so far, and hopefully you guys have too, because in our past conversations we kind of have talked about a few things in movies that we kind of pay special attention to. And so we've thrown those into categories and we're going to give you guys uh, some of our per contra picks for movies that you need to go and watch when you're done listening here. So um, once again, we're going to start with some of our honorable mentions that barely didn't make the list and um, Squince is going to kick it off for us. So
0: Okay, so... Keep in mind, these are all fantastic movies and they just barely got beat out for my list anyway. Just barely for one thing or another. Um, First on my list is Tenet, the new Christopher Nolan movie. Really fresh take on the time travel genre. I highly recommend it. Next is What Happened to Monday. It's a Netflix original sci-fi movie that takes place in a dystopian future. Go see it. Go watch it. Next is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. This one, it's the Hollywood um adaptation so the American adaptation I have not had the chance yet to watch the originals but the American adaptation is really really good there are some hard scenes to watch and this is not recommended for everyone who watches this show um we have some like younger viewers that listen to this podcast so I don't recommend them this movie for them but it's great for the rest of you Next is Bad Samaritan, really good uh, twist on the serial killer genre. Next is a movie called Caliber. This is another one that's a Netflix original. It's not a horror movie. Um, It's barely a thriller. It's just really suspenseful to the point where, like, my stomach was just feeling gross. Like, I wanted to throw up because of all the suspense in this movie. Next is a film called Mad God. Phil Tippett, the guy that animated Jurassic Park and the Star Wars, the original Star Wars trilogy, made a stop-motion animation movie that just came out like a month ago, maybe. Uh, And he used traditional stop-motion techniques on this film. Really good, really wild, kind of disturbing, but it's beautiful. Uh, Next, we have The Man from Nowhere. Basically, if you imagine John Wick in South Korea, and it was amazing. Next, we have The Wailing. This is like a haunting or like monster movie type of film set in a like small South Korean village. Really, really good. And then my last honorable mention is called Chasers. This is a South Korean serial killer movie, really tense, kind of graphic, but really, really good. And had me on the edge of my seat the whole time. Also, sorry in advance, I put my list together and I didn't realize most of my list is gonna be foreign films. They're in another language south korea just does it better than hollywood does guys and if you go watch any of my recommendations you'll see but we'll get there so tijuana if you want to give us your honorable mentions now
1: yeah of course i um also just want to put in a plug for that i think that as far as like film goes most people who were born and raised in america i feel like it's kind of traditional to just think like yeah like we're the movie making people so yeah like other I mean, countries movies would be like second rate
0: and i, I will kind of say viewed there are other countries whose films i don't enjoy like if it comes out of india i typically don't enjoy i'm not a bollywood guy but right. there are other countries outside of america that produce some like triple a style films you know lots of parts of europe lots of parts of asia um, South America and like Mexico even produce some really good movies sometimes so just be open to stuff like that
1: right and the reason I say it is because I feel like it's it's become a business in America and it's I feel like in other countries it's still more of an art yeah and uh, for that reason you definitely have ones that can miss <laughs> the mark definitely but you also have the opportunity to just see someone's like raw creativity and potential come out into a movie and you just don't really see that anymore it's all it's all cut down and cut down by production teams and stuff like that sure just wanted to put my two cents in about that my list of movies um is gonna be a nice contrast to yours i have a lot of just classics on my list and a couple of little niche things that that i like to and also i just have fewer items on my list of movies uh because my my portfolio isn't quite as large as um squints he's uh, sorry i watch a buttload
0: of movies
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes he's the movie critic out of us too and it's going to be great to hear from him today but i still am excited to share my movies so uh, the ones that didn't quite make my list um were mostly in the Creativity and originality category. I love it when movies take a cool idea and and bring it to life. And so, a couple of those movies are *The Truman Show*. Oh yeah. *V for Vendetta*.
0: Fantastic.
1: I've, I've talked about it before, but I had to include it on the list. And a movie by Hayao Miyazaki um, called *Nausicaä of the Valley of the Wind*. It's one of his older ones, so it's like lesser known than a lot of the like. Studio Ghibli favorites. Sure. But it's such a cool movie and it, it has that nice like candid feel that his movies have. And the reason why I like like it so much in the creative department is just because his all of his movies that are kind of like fantasy all have like a very unique feel, but I feel like do. this one. This one especially. It just it just it's it's its own thing. It do, it's not it doesn't have like you can't feel so much of the influences um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing like if you know like a fantasy book or movie is kind of like dealing a lot from lord of the rings or something like that it's not like it's not like you're like oh how dare they but it's just cool to see something completely new Um, and you get that a lot with his movies so i had to put one of his on there that i like and also just mentioned that his movies are great for originality's sake and one thing that i kind of wanted to talk about and then hopefully segue into the show here um if we could start with the category of exposition yeah one movie that i wanted to put on the list but just didn't quite make it i guess it's a series is just the lord of the rings and i thought it would be a good kind of segue into exposition because of the reason why i wanted it on the list and that is because i feel like the lord of the rings movies specifically do a really good job of telling the audience what they need to know. And that's, to me, exposition at its core. Yeah. And so the reason I say that is because I feel like it might be easy to to get it confused. Like, a movie that I walk out of and learn the most has the best exposition, right? Like, they sure. told me the most sure. amount of stuff. That, so I feel like that could be easy to to jump to that conclusion. But to me, exposition, it, th- the best exposition is exposition that is giving me what I need to know and delivering it in the best way to make the next scene or the the conclusion of the problem or the conclusion of the film satisfying to me as a viewer. And so, you know, I don't need to know how Gandalf's magic works or where it comes
0: from. And they don't
1: necessarily take the time to explain that. Well, and Um,
0: I think too that when it comes to exposition in film or tv for me it's less about how much i've learned or how much i've uh, how much information i've been given by the end of the film and more about how that information was delivered to me and that's the difference for me between good and bad exposition cuz there are there are movies that i love and they have a very small story Like, not as expansive or as epic as Lord of the Rings in any way, but tell the story with the same level of, like, precision as Lord of the Rings, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, whenever a problem is solved in that series, it feels very satisfying. Right. Um, Because the characters are relatable and uh, the plot is interesting and it draws you in because it's... It's giving you that information efficiently, like yeah. you said. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, I wanted to mention that one um, to start our list. And so if you'd like to um,
0: give your uh, one of your two picks for exposition, we should sure. go ahead and start. So um, one of the two that I picked is a movie called Pan's Labyrinth. So Pan's Labyrinth is, it was directed by Guillermo del Toro. More people have probably seen like Hellboy. He directed... Not the new one with David Harbour, but the older one with Ron Perlman. He directed both of those movies. Um, but Guillermo del Toro has this really, really unique ability to create these really visually striking set pieces and costumes and like practical makeup effects in his films. And so when you watch something like Hellboy or Pan's Labyrinth or The Shape of Water, these. Like beings, these creatures that he's built just look so visceral and so real. And part of that is because they do a lot of practical effects. He does specifically. Pan's Labyrinth is the story of a young girl living in uh, war torn Spain, and her mother is pregnant with her new stepfather's son. He is a general in the Spanish army fighting against this resistance, and he's like, he's a bad dude. And the, the daughter, the girl that this story focuses around, starts to be visited by this satyr creature who essentially tells her like, hey, you're a princess, accomplish these tasks and bring me these things and you can come with me back into your realm away from all of this madness in your life. And so it's just this story of her trying to accomplish these tasks to make it back to where she feels like she belongs with this satyr and it sounds weird when I explain it that way but you have to sit down and watch it it's just such a beautiful movie everyone that I've ever like had sit with me and watch it everyone I've ever made watch it has been appreciative after the fact because it's just so heartfelt it's such a well done like fairy tale basically and even though it's wild and crazy and there are all these crazy monsters on the backdrop of this uh, civil war you don't lose any of the character development you don't lose any of the character motivation nothing is just like spoon-fed to you but everything that you need to know is present in the film without anyone having to say like oh yeah, the daughter and the stepfather don't really get along. You're able to just tell that by the interaction without having to be fed that. And that's part of why it made my list for best storytelling. It's one of my all-time favorites.
1: Cool. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that I think the way a, a, the way a movie looks, but kind of more so the way it feels because of the way that it looks is a really powerful storyteller.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if we've talked about it on the show before. um, But I know that you and I have personally had the conversation about part of the reason that the Hobbit trilogy feels so different from the original Lord of the Rings trilogy is because it looks different. It like it feels like too smooth, almost. And it feels kind of like contrived and kind of fake because of that, at least to me, you know, and I think that was a big reason. Obviously, the Hobbit trilogy has some other problems, but that was a big reason for me when I initially went into those films that I was like, wait a minute, am I watching the same story? Like, Is this from the same universe as this other trilogy that I love?
1: Right, and that's a hard thing exposition-wise to depart from uh, when you're trying to stay in the same realm because with a movie, that's your first sense that's being... That's being activated. Right, it's a visual Um, medium. Right, yeah, and for for anyone who's seen Pan's Labyrinth, it's unforgettable visually. It really is. uh, It's cool.
0: Even though it's an older film, it looks amazing today. Still, like that, that, to give you an idea of how old that film is, I don't know the date it was produced off the top of my head, but when I was a child in the early two thousands, like when I was nine, it was for rent at Blockbuster. (laughs) you know and so like it's it's been around for a minute but it looks amazing still so I just think that that's a really important factor to consider when we're talking about the storytelling in film
1: right on yeah
0: so I was gonna try
1: and not use the matrix because we had an in-depth discussion about it but I didn't I didn't feel like that was a good enough reason for me not to use The Matrix as my... Sure, it's hard to not bring up that that movie. It's it's just such a good place to talk about exposition um, using examples from The Matrix. And if that was the only reason, then I wouldn't have talked about it. But just because it holds such an impact to me personally Mm -hmm. as well, I had to share it and talk a little bit more about The Matrix. So yeah, for those of you who haven't seen The Matrix... Um, Or maybe it's been a long time. It follows this the main character who goes by kind of like the Smurf handle, I guess you could call it, of Neo. And he's kind of like this hacker who's trying to figure out what this mysterious Matrix is. And the little pieces that you're fed throughout the show are delivered so well. And that's why I love the Matrix as an example of exposition, because the... I guess the audience being involved in what's going on with Neo's life is is the like the linchpin of the movie. If if they didn't do that right, the whole movie wouldn't work because it all it's all held together by the fact that we care what the matrix is too. Yeah. And so with with Neo kind of get, step by step getting closer and closer to what the matrix is and going through like these this parts of the movie where he's kind of starting to discover it with people bending spoons and walking through walls and stuff like that. And all of that builds up to the iconic scene where, as we've discussed, he's, he's kind of told what the matrix is and um, we've talked about it before, but I just want want to quickly highlight it again um, that the delivery for the exposition here is, is just telling neo and in doing so the audience what the matrix is but because of the way that the film was directed to this point it feels so it feels so like the questions that are being answered are all questions that we that we've had
0: i actually have something to say about that scene in particular um where where neo is offered the red pill or the blue pill right Mm -hmm. and then he takes the pill he goes into the back room with Morpheus and Cypher and all their crew and touches the mirror, right? Mm -hmm. I think the reason that it works for Morpheus to sit him down and be like, this is what the Matrix is, is because up until that point, he was like meeting people or finding things out. And eventually he's told by Trinity, like, you need to meet this person. He'll tell you what's going on. And so it's been set up and we feel like Neo is going to find out the answers to his questions by being told them by someone who's wiser than he is. And so it felt natural. It felt like that's how he would find out that information versus being in a contrived setting where the director didn't take the time or care enough to set that up, and so they have to just throw it in some dialogue. You know what I mean? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, totally, and I appreciate you saying that because the point that I was getting to comes right off of that is that finding this information is what kind of leads us into the next important plot point of the story, which is why is Neo so important? Right. And we really wanted to know this information for our own selfish purposes because we just really wanted to know what the matrix is, but it also had this secondary effect of being like, okay, audience, now that you know what the matrix is, you're going to be able to know why Neo is so important to this story in solving this problem that we're going to present to you now that comes along with knowing what the matrix is. So now you know what the matrix is, and here's why we have a problem now. Right. So this problem, like that, we really care about now because of this character that we followed through the story. Now is presented to us, and um, now we have a, kind of another mystery to solve, which is wh- what does it mean to be the one, and you know how is Neil gonna unlock his destiny to solve this to solve this new problem that. Um, it didn't feel like was being kind of displayed to us at all. It almost was just like it felt natural part of the story, like you were saying, like right. it, it felt like that's what should have happened. Um, and so, yeah, perfect example of of exposition because everything that was told in the movie and shown were all things that me watching I really wanted to know. and I felt like everything i there wasn't a bit of it that I was like, okay, that's cool and all, but what about dot 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 so yeah yeah
0: i agree i agree and i think that's a big part of storytelling is is each event has to feel like a natural follow up to the event we just witnessed in the scene prior and that's part of why i picked my next movie if you're ready to move on
1: yep i'm done
0: um so my next movie is train to busan so this is a south korean zombie film that takes place I would say, like, 85% of the time on one bullet train. So this movie was directed by, and I'll probably butcher this guy's name, uh, Yon Sang-ho. I, I don't speak Korean, so I'm just trying my best here. But it's... So it's it's an action movie, and I usually don't lump those in with, like, great storytelling and, like, being great movies. Like, yeah, they're fun to watch, but it doesn't make it a great movie just because it's fun to watch. Yes. This movie, however every scene every scene feels like it naturally would follow the scene that just came prior part of that is because of the pacing of the film like we start and finish the film and it feels like they've been on the train for the same amount of time we've been watching the movie there aren't like these big time lapses and stuff all throughout the film but The fact that we're able to understand the relationship between our main character and his daughter from the get-go without anyone having to tell us what the nature of that relationship is and then see it progress, see it grow and see it change by the end of the film is amazing. And the fact that the film keeps itself moving and stays on its feet while taking place in like three train cars is phenomenal. There aren't a lot of films that can do that well and to have this combine that with being like a very high intensity action movie with a lot of like brutal hand-to-hand combat with these infected people is really impressive and then you take that and you combine it with the fact that in the last like five minutes of the movie the the la the final scene the final two scenes I guess I should say are one of the most heart-wrenching moments I've ever witnessed in film. And there are people that don't like this movie and think it's dumb and they're just they're just wrong. And if you get to the end <laughs> of this movie and you don't feel a little choked up and like super heartbroken, you have no soul. That's just, and, and on top of it being like really heartfelt and amazing storytelling, it's a great zombie flick. Like World War Z can suck it. This movie is so much better and no one talks about it. No one talks about it, and it just—it's—it's it's a crime. You have to go watch Train to Busan if you haven't seen. It. You have to.
1: Right. Yeah. And I—I I actually, I knew you were going to talk about this movie, so I refrained from putting it on my list. Um, but it was actually going to go on my list of twist reveals. Oh yeah. That's another. That's another category that's coming up because the ending is so good. It's like, so that you, good that you were talking about and. I love just a tangent off t- to twist reveals really quick. I love a twist that do- isn't just a twist because it's like, "Ha, you weren't expecting that." It's like, right. "Oh, this is how it should have ended." Yeah, I didn't see this coming. It feels right. Yes, like that's the best. and, yes. and that's and the movie does that so well. Um, but going back to exposition. I hadn't thought of it, but yeah, that this movie is, has killer exposition in it too. I can I can remember one specific scene where um, the main character he's having marriage issues and he has a daughter and um, he but you know he doesn't like there's not a scene where he's having a conversation with his kid and she's like dad you're never home
0: I yeah never get you to don't see need you. any of that
1: whatever like this there's this scene that paints it so perfectly he comes home. Um, with a birthday gift for his daughter and it's this video game console and she opens it up and she looks at him and then she looks over and the camera pans over to the same thing it's already in her room she already has the thing yep. and, and he
0: didn't even know and it's in his right house. and he
1: did right and he didn't know and so it's the perfect way to tell like okay this guy is trying but he's clearly like not involved in his daughter's life right he- he's consumed with work she's disappointed because of that that's probably why his marriage is failing And, you know, you're able to put all this stuff together because of a really well-directed scene full of emotion. It's so quiet. And like it, you just, you just feel like the anxious feelings. And instead of, instead of it being like, oh man, why isn't this guy better? It's almost relatable. You're like, oh man, I've been there.
0: Yeah. You've, you've experienced that with your own parents or your own children, maybe, or a sibling. And you're like, I know what that feels like. And you can feel that like awkward tension in the room right and i mean that's just uh, that's one of the many examples of what we're talking about in this movie because there's so much of that in this film yes go watch it if you haven't seen it and if you don't like it come fight me because we'll have words (laughs) okay
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's an excellent film guys don't just take it from him it's it is spot on as far as um what it was aiming to do be an emotionally an emotional train ride and a really cool action zombie killing movie so
0: yeah yeah. and i'm gonna say this too both the movies i have talked about so far on this on this episode are in another language pan's labyrinth is in spanish train to busan is in korean if you can't watch a movie with subtitles but you want to start intaking some really fantastic media. You're gonna to have to get over that, because some of the best movies in the world are going to be non-English films. Yeah. So
1: I agree, hundred percent.
0: Anyway, moving on to your second pick, Tijuana. Let's see what you got.
1: Okay, sounds good. Um, before I get into it, um, to kind of preface something that I really thought of, that I thought of that I really want to talk about is that, um, and touched on it a little bit before, but storytelling which is kind of at the heart of exposition. Um, Exposition is kind of like the setup um, for telling your story, the things that we need to know for the story to make sense and to feel satisfying. The best way is that the way that humans understand things, right, is that it it like settles into our hearts and we feel it, right? That's we relate to it. It's it's an experience that we've had versus something, you you know, empathy versus sympathy, that kind of thing. Mm Sure. And I just wanted to just quickly talk about Neon Genesis Evangelion. It's an anime. The ending is weird. But there's this scene that's really controversial. And there's these two female characters that are kind of both fighting in the same little squad to defend the Earth. And um, there's a lot of, like, tension between them. But it's never, like, confronted. Um, There's kind of, like, this... I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you at what we do, and a little bit of like sexual tension going on there too. Of like, I'm prettier than you. No, I'm prettier than you, kind of thing. And they're one of the girls is going up an elevator, and the other one happens to get on at the same time, and they're both going to like the top floor. So they they're sitting in this elevator together in silence for like forty five seconds, and you just sit there and watch them like awkwardly shift around. In silence and a lot of people say like okay that was a waste of screen time like i get the point but to me i loved it because i was able to like feel something that i've never felt before watching a film which was a true true awkward silence
0: yeah yeah no i i totally agree. i love when a director is brave enough to pull something like that something that you know the audience is going to be like okay I'm uncomfortable. Let's move on from this frame and he's going to hold you there until you literally can't handle it anymore before he moves on.
1: Right. And that's when and that's when one of the characters breaks. Is when you're like literally okay, I'm about to explode and then and then she does. Yeah. And she explodes on the other girl and says like, you know, why do you think you're so much better than me? blah 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 blah. So, yeah. Anyways, just just to preface that, my next movie is The Silence of the Lambs.
0: Mm. Good choice. And I
1: this movie is so good at telling us about the characters in it just by just by how they act and interact with each other. And the scene that specifically comes to my mind is when Clarice goes down to the basement of the Baltimore hospital prison for the clinically insane or whatever. And Walks down the long, dark hallway Mm -hmm. to meet Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. And just being like, talk about a way to introduce your creepy serial killer character, like mad genius type of guy into a movie. It worked so well with having kind of a catalyst to feel the, the ominous feelings from through kind of a new... FBI student trying to get up in the world and kind of perform this role that's typically not for women and you kind of have this like underlying like pressure of like she's trying to prove herself and then you meet Hannibal Lecter and something that I kind of like noticed re-watching this scene in preparation for talking about it is that lector from the moment she comes over he was like he's standing there waiting for her to come right yeah he, he knows she's coming and their whole interaction delivers this exposition that hannibal lector wants to teach her he wants to like mold her into something and, and bring out her potential or whatever and and watching it again i was like wow like everything that he said was like trying to like get her to go a little bit further or to come out of her shell or to do something that she wouldn't have done before. Yeah. And when when she gives him the the questionnaire of like trying to kind of pick his brain and figure out what serial killers are like so that she might be able to solve this case about Buffalo Bill he's like let's see what did he say you think you can dissect me with such a blunt tool and then he proceeds to to show her like what a psychoanalysis looks like. By psychoanalyzing her mm-hmm. and he's you know he was like a like a psychiatrist like a therapist and so he's done this kind of thing all the time and he's like if you want to figure someone out here's how to do it and there's so much subtext I just I didn't really catch it before because yes they're trying to deliver that this guy's scary and he's Scary, smart, and he like can remember everything, and he knows everything about you just from like how you smell, and it's freaky, and he wants to eat you and stuff like that. Like definitely uncomfortable feeling, but kind of being separated from that first experience where you know it was just very unsettling. There's also, and you know, you're being delivered all this exposition about what kind of character Hannibal Lecter is, and even Clarice for that matter. But also there's this exposition that this is like. going to become a mentor mentee relationship right of Hannibal Lecter is going to become the teacher and um I love 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 how it ends um she kind of stands up to him a little bit and is like well if you're so good at telling stuff about people tell me about yourself and he's like try again and just turns and walks away like that's that's kind of I mean you get you of course get the super famous line like the census taker tried to test me once and I ate his liver with." them fava beans and a nice Chianti but the the point of that scene is yeah okay cool line but he he's not you know I feel like we're kind of like a lot of times when we're being delivered exposition it's like Clarice comes down to accomplish goal Clarice gets faces some type of problem overcomes problem and reaches goal but really what happened is that plan was totally derailed And he was like, you need to learn something before we can continue our relationship. Right. And so we were delivered so much exposition by the plan failing. Super cool scene. And analyzing it was a lot of fun because there's even exposition hidden under the exposition um, subtextually. So it was really cool.
0: Well, and I think too that I think Silence of the Lambs is a really, really amazing example of subtext, but... On top of that, I don't think the film would have been as good if the performances were not as phenomenal as they are. Right. And I mean, specifically related to like Anthony Hopkins, who is one of the greatest actors that we've ever seen. But performance, like actor performance, really can make or break a film. And I think that an actor's performance, the way they portray the emotion or the mannerisms of the character that they're playing really have an impact on, on the way that story is told. And I think that's overlooked because we have all of these films that are so popular today, and we've talked about them before, but you have movies like Harry Potter or Pirates of the Caribbean or the MCU films, and people rave about these performances that these actors are given, but like, how how hard is it really for them to do that when they've been playing the same character in the same movie five, six, seven, 13 times? Right. Versus when you take someone like Anthony Hopkins who had to slip into the role of Hannibal Lecter for a handful of films and did as amazing a job as he did and made you feel uncomfortable, that helps tell that story. That helps build the relationship between Lecter and Clarice, because if he wasn't creepy, there immediately you lose all of this tension between the two of them.
1: Right, and it it totally shows from her too, because of the of what you feel from her, I guess. And it's just like you said, no, there's not a part of that film where it's where it's like, oh yeah, she feels like she has to prove herself because she's a girl or something like that, or like right. you know she she's ta- she took this really scary task on because she wants to show that she's good enough. You know, it's not that's not communicated like by some sideline character. It's but if you know, if you talked about someone talked with someone about the movie, you would both understand that just simply from watching how she acts, the way she walks, her facial expressions. You know, you get those super close-up shots during those yes. during those conversations. And it's because the, the director wanted you to see their faces and feel what they were feeling. And yeah, it's exactly like you said.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fantastic pick for exposition. And like I said, subtext and performance really can make or break a story. And I almost feel like maybe we should do a dedicated episode at some point to some of our favorite performances that actors have done just because it is so important to a film you can have the best director the best set designer the best sound designer if your actors are not performing the movie's not going to be good and so maybe we'll do that in the future i am looking at the clock here and we're almost at 40 minutes we're going to keep plugging along um if we split this into two parts we'll let you know uh but we are going to get through these six movies, I promise you, or I guess 12 movies, six for each of us. So, yeah. um, okay. Do you want to go into creativity and originality next or into twists and reveals next?
1: Let's, let's do creativity. Okay.
0: So the first one that I have on my list is a Chinese film called animal world. The reason I put it on creativity and originality It's a film about a kid who's down on his luck. His dad's in the hospital. He has no money to pay for his dad's treatment, but he is really, really, really good at math. And he is approached by this like eccentric billionaire guy who is actually played by Michael Douglas. He's the only one in the film that speaks any English. It's really funny, but he's approached by this guy who's like, I have a waiver that you can make all this money that you need for treatment come play this game and if you win, you'll win all this money. And the kid's like, yeah, sure, okay. So he gets taken out on a boat into the middle of the ocean into international waters where there are no laws. And he and like a buttload of other people are pitted against each other in a rock paper scissors tournament to the death. <laughs> and it it does not sound like it would work. It does not sound interesting. It doesn't sound fun. It's one of the wildest, funnest, craziest movies I've ever seen. And like, so the way it works is you have three lives. If you lose a match, you lose a life. And when you lose all three lives, they gank you. Like, they kill you. And each player is given a stack of cards, like a deck of cards. And it has equal numbers of rock, paper, and scissors. Each time you play a card, that card is gone. And so when you get down to the last couple players... Like, they only have a handful of cards left, and it could be any combination of rock, paper, and scissors, depending on how they've won their previous matches. And so the whole film is about this math whiz counting cards to try to predict what his opponents have in their hand. And I found myself having to pause the film while it explains his thought process of how he's counting cards and how he's keeping track of it, so that I could keep up with the subtitles and understand his logic for counting these cards so he can win rock, paper, scissors. That sounds pretty cool. It's, it's wild. Like I, I can't, ex- I can't stress that enough. It's just such a crazy ride and I put off watching it for so long. So i I'm like, oh, dude, I'm not going to watch a movie about rock, paper, scissors. Like put that thought out of your mind and go watch this damn movie about rock, paper, scissors, You'll be glad you did. It's that good. Like I, it's rock, paper, scissors, but you have to see it. You have to see it. Well, you've convinced me. That's, there's something to be
1: said about that though. I think that it's a lost, not necessarily a lost art, but it's lost on us. That it's okay for a movie to be like outpacing us. I think that that's, it's, it's, it should be exciting. Like, wait a second. What was that? like but i feel like people are like oh i got ahead of me i lost interest I can right. go back and look at my phone now it's like why is that a bad thing for right. the movie to be like like kind of hard to keep up with it, it as long as it's as long as it's covering all of its bases and and makes and makes sense when you do catch up then yeah i've I feel like it's okay. I should be wondering what's going to happen next. It yeah. shouldn't be like... It shouldn't be like... I don't know. It, wouldn't wouldn't you... If, if something's supposed to be a thriller, shouldn't it be... Shouldn't it feel like it's out of reach a little bit? I, right. I don't know. I, well, I've, and, always, I've always been of that opinion.
0: And I'm very much of the opinion that if what you're watching isn't engaging to the point where you have to be on your phone to stay awake during it, it's probably not worth watching. And... You know, everyone has different preferences. My wife doesn't enjoy watching the same things I do, but I don't make her sit through them, you know? And so if you're sitting there and you're like, well, this sucks, I'm gonna just sit on my phone, don't watch it, go do something else. But like films should be engaging and smart enough that being on your phone isn't an option because you need to know what's going on. If you can follow what's going on while doing something else, it's probably not quality media. If if I'm being totally candid
1: right and it's like you said people have different preferences but but to me that's the point of using that much of my time is that all two hours of it should be important to my time, right
0: so anyway animal world go watch it it is on netflix right now so you can go watch it if you've got a netflix subscription but uh let's i want to hear what you've got for us t1 your first pick for creativity and originality
1: okay so it was really hard for me to choose between these two movies that were close to my heart. And I actually just kind of went with what I ended up saying. And so I was going to have Nausicaa be on the list and I was going to talk about Scott Pilgrim in the, in the honorable mentions, but Mm -hmm. um, it ended up this way. So I think
0: what a great pick, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have Scott Pilgrim versus the world and I guess it, it just made it onto the list so so let's talk about it um i i love this movie dude i can't get enough of it um and i have it on creativity and originality because they i feel like they did such a good job of taking kind of like a comic video game story and putting it into movie into the movie medium like live action movie medium right and the way that they did it instead of trying to like incorporate the video game stuff into like every scene or into like just the flashbacks or into like just the combat or like whatever the kind of stuff that you see happening in a lot of like adaptory films of other like comic books and video games and stuff the way that they did it was they just they they kind of made it as like a little bit of like the comedy in it also yes it was yes. like when, like when he goes pee, the pee bar. Drain. Yeah, so like, good. That, like that kind of stuff is like, it, not only is it hilarious, it's also it's also very creative.
0: Yeah, or like and the one-liner awesome. when he gets his one-up after the Battle of the Bands is awesome.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like we were able to see like where the roots of the movie came from, like with the base battle and stuff. Yes, like yes. It's very video gamey but I love that they like we're like acknowledged their roots on that but they were like we're gonna make a good story and a nice movie we're not just gonna like see how like we can adapt the video game into this and and tell that story they they took the they took the characters and they made them very i guess new and original for the movie yeah and I loved the actor performances. So good. They fit the characters so well, even though that's not like necessarily how I would have pictured the characters from Scott Pilgrim. It it worked so well for the movie.
0: And the movie is its
1: own separate thing. And it that's is. okay.
0: It is. And I, I fully believe that you can go into the movie and watch it having never played the games and not knowing what they're about and, st- and still enjoy yourself. If right. you let yourself enjoy, if you focus on, on the fact like why is this p-bar floating there why is there Mm -hmm. a one-up floating in the sky if you focus on all the weird stuff instead of just letting yourself enjoy a bombastic fun comic book video game adaptation movie you're not going to enjoy it it's meant to be fun and they were shooting for fun and they nailed it on the head absolutely and
1: and you and you just love the characters along the way and i love how those those creative portions of it those scenes just kind of jump out at you and it's like slap you in the face a little bit and be like check this out and then you're right Right, back into the like like i one of my favorite parts is when he's fighting the the quote-unquote final boss and he pulls out the sword and it's like scott earned the power of love right (laughs) and it's like the video game announcer or whatever and then he dies and tries again and And earns a different sword right it's like (laughs) this time because you chose this path you get this ending and it's like you know for video game people it's like ha 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 um but it's like you said just for just anyone watching the movie it's kind of like oh all right that's cool and yeah it's it's super well done i love the i love the like funny like little one-liner type of comedy in it yes and yes um just as far as like a nice wholesome fun to watch movie too that just has like a good little story perfect for that too
0: yeah oh i agree it's super easy to just like put on and watch and have a good time there are so many memorable moments in it and if you encounter someone who doesn't like it chances are you can look at them and know that their favorite movie is like the notebook 21 jump street or wolf of wall street they're like they're gonna be the most bland person you've ever met if uh, they hate yep. scott pilgrim right so we don't want friends yeah, it's like a that good, anyway it's
1: a good friend tester yes absolutely wonderful like, friend tester if you if you're dating someone and you like need something to do but also like to see if they're gonna make the cut oh yeah my wife and i watch that movie at
0: least once a year probably <laughs> that's awesome it's too. just one of those you can just always come back to yeah you know? totally so. Totally. Okay. Um so my next pick for creativity and originality is a movie called Kubo and the Two Strings. It's relatively new. It's it's like 3 to 5 years old, I think. Um it is a claymation. Um I know not everyone is into animated things, particularly related to stop motion animation or claymation. If you're not into those, you're missing out on a really awesome niche of films that are just really, really well made and tell a great story. Uh, I could go on about stop motion films alone for a long time. Kubo and the Two Strings is a really cool story about a young boy with one eye and the ability to perform magic through music. And his evil grandfather is pursuing he and his mother because his grandfather wants to like consume his soul and take his power basically and Kubo's mother dies and he has to go on an adventure to recover artifacts that will allow him to defeat his grandfather in battle and he meets a couple companions one of them is a beetle like a human-sized beetle who's this like amazing swordsman and then he also meets this monkey who ends up being his caretaker Um, it's a lot deeper than that I'm not going to spoil it any more than that because it's, it's really, really satisfying and rewarding to put together everything that is in this film. It's a fantastic movie. I would say not for like super young kids because it's a little scary, but like as an adult, I watched it for the first time when I was like 24, 25, and I thoroughly enjoyed myself to the point where that's like a day later, I watched it again and unfortunately it's not streaming for free anywhere right now. You can rent it a couple places. I recommend it. It's worth the $3 and it's one that like everyone in the family should be able to enjoy if they're willing to sit down and just let themselves have some fun. It's phenomenal.
1: I I love the the picks that you have for creativity and um I think originality uh absolutely because that's 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 what I'm missing from from film nowadays man yeah that's what I, i'm missing like
0: it, it sucks just, to feel like you're watching the same movie over and over again
1: yeah and it's not just it's not necessarily just like what it's like about being some something about like weird it's not necessarily that because yeah i mean the the idea of like magical music and devouring souls and stuff like that like that's definitely weird and because of that unique but the story that you described was one that i was interested in because i was like oh huh, that's new right and that's and that's something that's just so out of reach these days
0: yeah so and if you look if stays. you're looking for something that you've never seen before kubo and the two strings is an awesome way to go and on that same token i think scott pilgrim is an awesome way to go for people who are looking for something that they've never seen in a film before you'll never see another film like scott pilgrim versus the world you won't
1: Right, and that's that's why that's why I had it on the list. Yeah, and 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 the reason I said that is because we should be we should be like a lot more embracing of that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And I think what you said about animated films it just embodies that so well. Animation is the coolest. Yeah. Like it, it gives it gives the medium of film the opportunity to do anything.
0: Yeah. In fact, on there's that no limitation. On that note. I, I, I'm going to say this right now and I'm going to make sure it happens someday. We're going to do an episode just on our favorite animations because they need to be talked about. And people need to understand that just because it's drawn doesn't mean you're not allowed to enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I, live action is so trendy right now and that's great. But what, there, there should be no like quarrel with being an adult and watching an animated film it's not a kid it's not a kid's thing it's not just for kids yeah. it is it is a medium of film and tv creation and there are it's... things
0: there are things you can put in animation like things visually that you can do in animation that would be physically impossible in a live action film if you want it to look good right not and feel good yeah
1: yeah because if you try like to go back to Miyazaki, like imagine watching Spirited Away, in live action, no. it would not feel the same. No,
0: or I mean, it, take it, take even the Full Metal Alchemist live action adaptation. No one talks about it for a reason. Like it didn't feel the same. It didn't look the same. It's not. You you can't portray the same feelings of a story like Full Metal Alchemist in a live action setting. It's just not gonna right. happen.
1: Yeah, it it just it it takes the imagination and and makes it possible because it, yeah that that sh- that's like a, a part of of i guess ourselves like our our capability to relate to things that is some is now unlocked because of art and yeah, yeah. and we should embrace that so we
0: really should so look out for an episode about animation in the future because um, we'll have some awesome awesome picks for you guys to go experience Uh, For the time being, let's move on to your second pick for creativity and originality, Tijuana.
1: Yeah, so I have The Breakfast Club as my my second pick. One of the best
0: movies ever made.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And uh, for the same reason you said about Scott Pilgrim, there's not another movie out there. Well, there's kind of some, like, movies that were made, like because of the breakfast club they try and, they try
0: to be like the breakfast club
1: and and yeah you can you can argue that like pretty and pink is kind of like it and stuff like that but but yeah anyways the breakfast club was such a new thing for me to experience especially going back to it yes um as Ian, it was before my time you know so watching oh, yeah. modern film and then watching the breakfast club it was like where did this come from and why why don't i see more things like this Um, And for those of you who are more of my generation and maybe haven't seen The Breakfast Club, what it is, it's high school detention, um, and it's about four kids who are in detention, and the whole movie takes place in detention. And there's no, like, oh, we got to work together to get out of detention. There's no, like, oh, the the evil principal is going to make us flunk school if we don't do a XYZ. It's literally just you're a fly on the wall in this detention room and it feels so like that alone as far as originality goes was like such a huge risk because it takes the like typical flow of like the 3X storytelling and just rips it to pieces and just says this story is going to be completely character driven right. whatever happens yes is going to be because it's what these kids are gonna do right like and... the,
0: the film doesn't have a goal like the story there's no like combined goal between all the characters each character has their own goal it's it's like a slice of life movie yes but you just watch people into tension instead of going to work and going to the store and doing whatever else and i think that's what makes it so good
1: right and and the narrative, I guess I would say is probably the the strongest like point of originality, um, because it's something that everyone can relate to, just about not everyone went to high school, but just about everyone went to high school. and because of that, we all can relate to stereotypes oh yeah, and and that's what the movie's about is about stereotypes and breaking them and understanding that people are more than just their stereotypes yes and and there's and there's so much beauty in that that i i I never felt in watching any other movie because movies are built on stereotypes man like all the characters are tropes all of the all of the villains everything all the stories it's all things that we kind of have to be able to prejudge because that's the way that it's being presented to us um, we see an edgy character and we're like, oh yeah, he probably is like this, this, and this, because that's how most like edgy antiheroes are. And this movie breaks that down and is like, so what do you think about John Bender now? And it's so cool because of that. And it was such a unique experience because of the narrative and the, and the setting. And like, like I mentioned before, the detention thing is really cool, but, but what really drives the creativity of the movie was, um the themes that they yes, addressed in it and, absolutely um and and that's what made it so 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 compelling was because it was something that there's a little bit of of like one or more of those characters in all of us so
0: yes 100 i absolutely agree and i think that's a great pick for originality and i i'll just reiterate again the the four movies that we've talked about for this category they are completely unique you're not gonna go watch another film like any four of these these movies there might be some that are similar but these four kind of do it best i think um for the types of story they each tell but anyway they're all great go watch them um i'm gonna go ahead and make an executive decision here we're just gonna power through this last category because if you guys can stick around for these last four films we've got some bangers in this category so on that note, Tijuana, do you wanna give us your first pick for Twists and Reveals?
1: Yeah, so um for my first one, I I do have to give a little bit of preface again. So my pick is Inception. I I liked this movie. There were some things that I didn't like. Okay. About the movie. Overall it was good. Yeah, um, I agree. I it was it it wasn't like one of my favorite movies ever. It wasn't sure. like the other movies on this list basically i i just loved but this one was good but not the kind of movie that i just like talk about all the time and i really liked it but i as i was making this list i couldn't really i couldn't stop thinking like okay i need to talk about inception even though i don't really want to because like i don't have a ton to say about it but i just i just really want to talk about the ending and why it's so important to my view on on how a, a movie twist should go and And we talked a little bit about this in, in talking about train to Busan, but I, I kind of have to, um, spoil the ending here to talk about it. So if if you haven't seen
0: inception at this point, you kind of deserve to have it spoiled for you. Like it was the (laughs) biggest movie of the year when it came out. If you haven't seen it, it's your own fault. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So anyways, I'm giving you a chance right now. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the ending of inception. If you really want to watch it and don't know the ending, um, you could fast forward a little bit or whatever. So we're presented with this character who is kind of searching through this realm of dreams um, for his long lost wife, lover, person, family. Um, and he his like motivations throughout the film are a little bit like unclear. He kind of like wants to help these characters with their task but he's also like ah you should never go back to the the world of dreams. it's too dangerous. Um, and to go inside dreams inside dreams is just is just asking for trouble but then kind of for no really reason that can be explained he accepts and wants to and is itching to go back and so it kind of creates this weird duality of like so what does this guy want does he want to does he want to like be done with dreams forever Or does he want to like go and explore them again what's going on here and so you're kind of like fed this like Subplot almost of like what's going on with this guy, and then you get to the end, and he finally reaches his little sub goal, which wasn't really the goal of the movie, but his like kind of personal character arc goal, which was to reach his family again. And um, he spins the little top to determine if he's in reality or not, and the movie ends on the top, continuing to spin, right, which means that he's not in reality. And so, you know, it's up to us to kind of determine like, oh well, like and they do a little bit of like a quick like snap out of out of the out of the scene to like make it seem like, oh, like it shook. Like and I, I vividly remember like being in the theater watching it and people in the audience being like, It moved, it moved, I saw it, it moved. Yeah. And and you know, that was the point of the scene. And that was cool. Like that was a cool little emotional, like, roller coaster yeah. type of thing oh, yeah. at the ending. And I think that people like think that that was kind of the point of the twist ending was to be like, oh, like, is he in limbo or not, guys? Like, ha ha ha, that's so funny. And but to me, that wasn't the point of it at all. The point of that twist ending was to show that he was still in limbo. And that's what he was searching for the whole time. Right, like he ended up where he
0: wanted to be. Right,
1: Limbo, he knew Limbo was too dangerous and like it was gonna be really way too hard to find his family again and so he was like not risking going back but he wanted to all along and so all of the things that like portrayed that throughout the movie made sense because of this twist ending and it was a satisfying ending because I had to sit there in the theater with my hands on my head and think about it like wait, why? And then as i added everything up in the movie it all made sense that this guy wanted to go back to his family whether he was in limbo or not the top continuing to spin didn't matter he spun it and walked away
0: yeah he didn't even he was see like, if it would fall over or not
1: right he was like okay i'm i wonder if i'm in reality or not but that's not the concern the concern is that i'm running over to my family and to us the twist is like whoa like wait you need to go back to the real world but for him, it's like, why? Does he really? Because what's the most important to him is like right there. And so I just wanted to talk about that ending because I feel like it's something that's like a little bit misunderstood is that the twist was not that ambiguous is he in reality or not thing. The twist is this guy was looking for this ending all along. And here it is. So,
0: you know, I've never thought about it that way, but I really like that and... I think that that offers more offers us more about the character than whether or not he ended up in limbo. Yes. And so I, I like that perspective on that. it's It's something I'd never thought about before, which I guess is the whole point of these conversations, right? <laughs> um, yep <laughs> but yeah, I like that a lot. and and uh, it, it is a good movie. It's uh, it definitely deserved to be as popular as it was when it came out. And even though it's not my favorite movie of all time, I will say that is another one of those where I don't think you'll find another movie quite like it. Yeah, totally. So, awesome. Um, So the first movie I'm going to talk about for twists and reveals is a movie that I'm going to preface this by saying I do not recommend this movie for everyone. In fact, I would say I don't recommend this movie for most people. It really depends on what kind of media you... Enjoy watching and whether or not you like to be uncomfortable because this movie 100% will make you uncomfortable. This is not a film for like younger moviegoers. Um, this is a very mature film, but I have to talk about it. It's a movie called Old Boy. So there are two versions of this film. The original is a 2003 movie, South Korean movie. The They adapted the movie in 2013 with Josh Brolin. Um, It's fine. It will make you uncomfortable. And it's it's pretty good. It is nothing compared to the original Korean version of the film. Essentially, this movie, it's about a guy who's down on his luck. He's a drunk. He gets bailed out of jail by a friend. And then he gets kidnapped and locked in a cell where he has a bed, a TV, and a bathroom. And any time he will experience human contact. He's gassed and drugged and knocked out. So he can't experience human contact. He's fed the same thing once a day for 15 years. He's locked in this cell. And then one day they gas him and he wakes up in like an alley with a burner phone in his pocket and he gets a phone call and he's invited to figure out who incarcerated him and why. And it's the story of him going on this mission to find out who put him in prison who ripped him away from his family, and why they did it. And it is a heartbreaking story. And for the sake of not being um, like too graphic on the show, I'm not going to go into details about like how the story evolves or how it ends. All I'm going to say is, if you want a story that like a movie that's just going to blow you away and reveal things to you that you never considered a possibility watch this however go into it knowing that when you finish the film you are going to need a palate cleanse have like despicable me or dumb and dumber or something or like friends or something on deck to watch after this you'll need it you'll need something like that after this to wash it down
1: yeah I feel like I need something like that right now and I haven't even watched it it's rough
0: and like the the whole like jail cell thing where he's trapped in this room for 15 years that's like the first 25 minutes of the film like it's it's hard to watch and it just escalates and like I said I don't recommend it for everyone I've I've seen both versions and each time I was like I wish I hadn't seen that but they stick with me because the reveals and the twists are wild. Never in a million years could I have guessed the things that this film reveals to you ever. And so that's why I put it on my list. But moving on from that, what's your second pick?
1: So I was having a hard time with this one for a couple of reasons, because most of the twists that I like, really like weren't in movies in particular. Sure. And so... I decided to kind of go a little bit off the wall and I chose Planet of the Apes, the original one. Okay. Um, And the reason why I did that is because this is a twist that I experienced organically. Um, That's always the best way. I didn't know about it before going into the movie is what I'm saying. And the reason why I, I put it on the list was because like, oh yeah, it's a cool like it was a cool way to end the movie, like something that you weren't expecting. Like um, a nice like subversion of expectations. But to me, what's cool about a twist in a movie is that it makes you reconsider everything that you've seen up to that point. So like whether it happens in the middle or at the end or whatever, um, everything that you just watched now suddenly like makes sense or has a different perspective or, it all adds up now or whatever and so this was simply just a good way to illustrate that and so for those of you who haven't seen the original planet of the apes a space crew goes on a mission and something goes wrong and their plane crashes and they're on this distant planet um, that's run by monkeys and it's weird and and it's a good movie and it ends um, with the main character kind of being like cast out and he finds like the ruins of the statue of liberty in the sand and um you realize with him that the mission never like crashed on another planet it just like went through some type of time wormhole and came back to earth and went to this strange alternate or perhaps not alternate future where monkeys rule the world and um but you're watching this whole movie kind of not knowing that and but then like with the with the twist at the end you go back and think through the whole movie again and you're like wait like this all makes sense now like and you're kind of putting it together to where the twist is satisfying and that's the thing that i wanted to talk about with this example is that i think too often we get in our minds like what a twist in a movie looks like and and it's like the The bad guy, like, ripping off the mask and being like, actually, I'm this guy. Or, like, Luke, I am your father. And, like, (laughs) that kind of stuff that's, like, oh, wow, that was, like, really unexpected. And um, that's all there is to it. It doesn't enrich the story really at all. The fact that Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker, Luke's father, it means nothing to us as the audience, really. Like, what does that change about the movie? Except for that that's, like, whoa, cool. And at the end, he's, like, I'm going to be good now because sure. you're my son and I love you, but and he dies. And it's like, whatever. Like, I feel like if that scene never happened, okay, this is tangent now, but if that scene never happened in star Wars, like we would be a little bit less cultured and that, and that's it. Like we, like the movie wouldn't really have changed that much. Sure. Maybe a few scenes and a few scenes throughout the whole series. And you know, this is speaking from a sense that like the prequels didn't exist yet, but yeah. Anyways, the my point is that the twist ending shouldn't feel like something that like shouldn't have happened or came out of nowhere or whatever. The twist ending sh- should be something that was planned all along, is the true ending, quote unquote, and suddenly makes sense to us, the audience, because it was set up to be that way all along. Yeah. And 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 that's a bit of what I was trying to explain with Inception, but this the but the planet of the apes makes the point better because it's a lot more cut and dry where it's not something that like you kind of have to figure out all on your own sure um but it's but it's literally right there f- for you like this is how this is this is what you just watched now now stew on that for a second and um and yeah uh it's a cool movie and stuff but uh, it's on the list more for for the for the purpose of illustrating that so
0: well, and I think you bring up a good point. I think, for me, there are two types of twists or reveals that are successful. And, spoiler alert, Obadiah Stane being the bad guy isn't one of them. When you've got, like, three actors who you know the names of without having to look them up, one of them is going to be the bad guy. Sorry, like, that's just how it works. Mm-hmm. And so, that's not a twist, okay? That's And if you have that in your head, you're wrong. There are two types of twists. You've got the Book of Eli or Planet of the Apes twist where the ending reveals to you something that if you go back and watch the film is being pointed to the whole time. Yes. Okay, That's twist number one. The other kind of twist is when something drastic happens at the beginning or middle of the movie and by the time you get to the end of the movie you're sitting there as the audience member trying to figure out what happened and if it could have happened another way until you realize that that was the only way anything could have played out that had to be the direction the movie went after the inciting incident okay those are the two types of twists that are successful and I, I think it's interesting that we each chose two movies of the same type. So like inception and planet of the apes are the same type of twist where the ending is the culmination of all of these things that you're being hinted to at the whole film right old boy and my second pick 2019's Parasite are both the other kind where there's an inciting incident and then all of this stuff happens and it's revealed to you that this is how the story ends and there's nothing else that could have happened it had to go that way because how else would it have happened um I, I just think it's interesting that we both went that that way yeah and
1: I, I I'm glad that you talked about kind of middle of movie twists because I was trying to come up with one that illustrated the point well and i couldn't and that's kind of why i went with planet of the apes was sure to talk about that well and they're um, not as so common yeah.
0: to have a twist happen in the middle of a film is not as common because it's it's hard it's hard to do yeah. successfully and there aren't a lot of films that do it parasite though parasite is a film that i recommend to everyone young old not like children but like you know if you're if you're an older teen and you want to watch a good movie that's gonna make you think go watch parasite this movie i <laughs> it's so insane like just once the inciting incident happens it's one bonkers thing after the other and you get to the end of the film and you're like yeah i guess i guess it had to be this way like what what the hell else could anyone have done like that it just had to end the way it ended and you follow this like really poor family and one of them gets a job as a tutor for this really rich high school girl and he slowly like manipulates this really naive um, wealthy housewife into firing all of her staff and then he gets his family all jobs under fake identities and eventually the entire family is working for this rich family and like totally just leeching off of them. Money, food, the rich family goes out of town, the poor family like goes and stays at their house for the weekend while they're out of town. And I'm not gonna spoil it because everyone should go watch it. If you haven't seen, it. it's new enough. And like all of the media I saw reviewing this film, none of it spoiled it for me, and I have so much love and respect for those creators who got me interested without spoiling it. So I'm not gonna spoil it. but there's an inciting moment with the previous housekeeper. And from that moment on, this film is bonkers. it it's crazy it's unpredictable, it's wild, and I I watched it by myself, and I finished the film, and I found myself like open-mouthed, looking around the room, hoping that somehow someone appeared in my living room so I could talk to them about it. It's that kind of movie, <laughs> and it, it's, it's, it's a must-watch. It, you will have to watch it with subtitles. It's another Korean movie. I didn't mean for all of my movies to be foreign, but korea south korea especially just puts out some amazing amazing movies go watch parasite you will not regret it and when you go watch any of these 12 films we've talked about like let us know what you thought email us message us in um in the comments or on twitter or instagram and tell us what you thought because we want you guys to love these movies because we love these movies and when we say you have to go see them and that they're like they'll change your perspective on what a good movie can be that's legit they really will
1: yeah i and you you can tell kind of what kind of movies they are by the way that they're described i hope because yeah like especially for twist reveals we don't want to like give away sure. anything um to so that you can enjoy it but yeah i you know for me personally i can feel the tension in the movie through the emotion um, that you're that you're sharing as you describe it and I, I love that you say like it had to be this way quote-unquote and and that's and to me that's a, a demonstration of like the satisfaction that you feel from a good twist in a movie it's like that's that's what it's all about is when it all adds up and you kind of figured it out in your mind and and they blow you away th- with this twist, and you're reeling it all back in, and you get to the end, and it's super satisfying because of the journey that it took you on, the emotions that you felt, like, whatever it is, the that satisfaction and that memory, that experience that the movie created for you, that's what a twist should give you. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. It shouldn't just be a surprise. That's that's not the point. And, and, and I'm really glad that you talked about the other side of it, because... Because that's the point that I wanted to get across with all this. So
0: Yeah, like, I, the villain removing their mask and you finally seeing the actor's face, that's not, a, that's not a twist. That's barely a reveal because you could Google the cast and know that that person is in the movie and guess who they are based on the fact that you haven't seen them yet. Like, that's not a twist. Just seeing an actor's face is not a twist. It's barely a reveal, a true twist leaves you with like residual thoughts residual emotion after it has happened like i finished parasite and i felt like empty because the movie was over like it's it's a long it's like two and a half hours and it ended and i was like no it can't be over i i need more like i need more of this film even though it wrapped up in a pretty clean way i just i wanted it to not be over that's how a movie with a good hook and a good twist should make you feel. That's how I felt when The Book of Eli ended. I was like, are you kidding me? We just learned this really cool thing about Eli and now it's over for real? <laughs> I was like, come on. Right. And so like, if you wanna watch a movie that's actually gonna make you feel something, if you wanna understand why Tijuana and I have so little respect for movies like anything from the MCU, watch some of the movies we've recommended And then go watch Thor Ragnarok and you'll see that Thor Ragnarok is, it's just last. That's it. There's no other substance. And so like compare and contrast real storytelling to some of the mainstream stuff and you'll understand really fast what we're talking about.
1: Right. Step into the light.
0: That's why we're here. We're here to bring you over (laughs) to what being truly into film means.
1: Yep. I hope you're ready. It's going to blow your freaking mind.
0: So anyway, we appreciate you guys sticking around. I know this was a long episode. I promise that if you just go watch even one or two of the films we've talked about, that sticking around this whole time will have been worth it. Go find them, go watch them, learn to love them, and you'll quickly learn that there's a whole world of movies out there that you're missing out on because they don't play in theaters.
1: Amen to that. And... We've we said it already, but I want to end by reminding you to um, let us know what you think. That's that's the point of all this. Is of course we want you to 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 take part in um, things that we love, um, but the community is the goal for it all. So um, let's enjoy these things together. And thank you for tuning in.
0: Absolutely. We'll see you guys on the next one.